all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Resistance Edition. Today, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 21, No Escape Part 2. That's right. Part 2 of this epic season finale that we are getting. Hello, David. How are you today? We all made it. We did it. So exciting. So exciting. All right. So the synopsis for this week's episode, with Niku's help, Kaz comes up with a risky plan to rid the Colossus of the First Order once and for all. Directed by Saul Reese and written by Brandon Alman. Okay, Dave, so we have to admit something here. Well, first off, we can admit when we're wrong. We're humble. We gave a lot of shit to Brandon Alman, And good God, he managed to redeem himself. Uh, he had written a few episodes that were, in my opinion, a bit meh earlier on in the season. I think both of us had some major issues with the stories he wrote. Yes. But he comes back and knocks this finale out of the fucking park, David. Out of the park. I mean, on a scale from 1 to 10, how happy were you with the season finale, Dave? Oh, I was I was very happy with the finale. I would give it a 9 or a 10. Yeah. I agree because I was satisfied. It doesn't need to be, you know, over the top. Yeah, it, it's just it felt good. It was a really fun episode that felt like Star Wars. We had those classic Star Wars intercuts taking us from one action sequence to the next. I mean, it felt like I was watching a Star Wars movie. That's all I want, Dave, when I'm watching Star Wars, anything Star Wars. I want to feel like that's what we're watching. And they did a fantastic job. And wow, did we call a lot of this season as well. <laughs> I'm proud of us, Dave. Oh, absolutely. I Last episode, we were calling for a lot of things, and they delivered. They did. We said Tam would end up joining the First Order. What happened, Dave? She chose her side, as Jaeger put it. I also said Sonara and the Pirates would join the battle against the First Order. What happened, Dave? <laughs> she came back. And the Colossus has risen. How exciting and fun. This episode was great. So much to discuss and so much to speculate on, which honestly, Dave, I think that's what we're going to probably do the most today yeah. is speculate. Where do we go from here with that ending? The writers kind of gave themselves an exit strategy that is pretty simplistic and a no brainer. It's like, hey, you know, what? we're not sure what we can do. Well, we know what we can do, but anything that we show could ruin episode nine. It could be a potential spoiler for comic books, books, anything that may be planned in the near future, right? That's why I thought it was that it was a very brilliant move to kind of leave it ambiguous what 
is what going to happen. Where they're going. Where they're going. Yeah. They could, as Nico put it, we could be really close to the car or we could be light years away. We don't know. <laughs> and and it and it worked because you know what? Yeah, I could see this happening because Niku, it's not his fault. You're deal he he's dealing with a ship that no one's really I, I mean, uh I believe it was uh Doza even said that the platform hasn't been flying since like twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. So they don't know how it's gonna work. Let's be honest, Dave. Niku is the real hero of this series. Let's I'm just gonna say it. He's the real hero. <laughs> And even if he really isn't, in my mind, he's going to be the real hero. Yeah, I have to say, he is the MVP of the season one. How funny, Dave. A character that we didn't really care about, you know, just just background comic relief. How does a character like that end up being, for the most part, Dave, not just our favorite, it's pretty much everyone's favorite character on the show. Yeah, I have to agree. Isn't that awesome? You can't force things. This is why Captain Phasma never worked. You know how that, that old saying from that movie, um, Mean Girls, Mean Girls, quit trying to make Fetch happen. Quit trying to make iconic characters happen. They just happened, David. I mean, Bobo Fett just happened. Yeah. Darth Maul just happened. Captain Phasma was forced was and forced. it never happened. Even though she's cool, she just never resonated because they were trying to make an iconic character. Infus Ness just happened. They weren't trying to put a lot of, I don't think there was a lot of stock in her ability to become an iconic character. And what's the one character everyone points to in from Solo? Infus Nest. Yep. Give us more Infus Nest. Iconic characters just happen. And if Star Wars fans are still not in the know, or they may be like, no, that's not true. Niku, perfect example, yet again, of a character that was not meant to be anything more than comic relief. And yet he wins the hearts and minds of every single Star Wars fan watching this show. Yeah, you're absolutely on on point about that. It's like I now look back at the uh, at this season. We can now look back at season one and actually see that yes, they took the they took their time getting to this point where we're saying, okay, this season was really strong and it ended really well. It started off kind of stumbled stumbling out of the gate, but it finished well. Yeah, well, I don't think it just stumbled. I think they fell face first into a puddle of mud, and then Justin Ridge had to wash their face, use some wet wipes for their hands, and then had to press Ron, on. Yeah, <laughs> and by by doing what he did by pressing on, you now get the gauge that basically, okay, we have a game plan for all these characters. These characters all had a reason why they were in this se- uh, uh, why they were here in the season, and. Especially like, especially like the villains. We always criticize the villains. Now we kind of get a gauge of, okay, these are like what the villains are. This is what the main villains are. We have Pyre. We now have uh, uh, Tyranny. And those are going to be looking to be the main villains for Resistance. And... We went in thinking, well, what about Phasma? What about all them? They said, no. What about the booty? They're just the, they're just there for placeholders. Here's the characters that we're going to build on. They're there for marketing reasons. Marketing and, that, reasons. and that's yes. why there's this article that you and I talked about off air that we're going to get to towards the end of the show. And the headline was whether or not 
wait, what was the headline? 10 reasons why resistance is better than rebels. And I'm not going to argue that right now. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not going to argue it. My point is that their very first reason was movie characters are more active in the cartoon. I'm like, you can't base a, a television show's merits on guest spots that you enjoyed. Yeah, pre-existing characters. That does not make them critically better. So them using these these high-profile characters are is, is a great way to market the show before the show aired. Look at guys, Poe Dameron, Captain Phasma, Kylo Ren. In fact, there's Kylo Ren resistance toys uh, premiering exclusively at Disneyland, and Kylo Ren's never even made an appearance in, in resistance. In resistance, so that's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> That toy that that never, you know, <laughs> from a character that never even graced us with his presence during the run of the first season of Resistance. But you can't you, you can't have a show solely based on characters that that has already been developed because then it's 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 a cheat. This is a story that revolves around characters that are newly introduced. And that's how you move forward. Uh, there's a big problem with not just I'm not saying with Star Wars. I think Star Wars is on the right track in terms of the movies and TV shows they have planned. But there's a consensus within the fan base that they just want to live in the past. There's so many Star Wars fans that are like, I must live in the past. I must have this character, this character, and nothing else matters. Okay. Jesus Christ. I'm going in circles, David. <laughs> All right. Let's forget. Let's change topics here. All right. So let's get back to the question of how the show ended. That is probably the biggest question I had at the end. Where does the show go from here? I have a feeling the writers at this time aren't sure. That's my own thoughts. However, there is an interview uh, from io9 where Justin Ridge says that they know where they're going, but they can't say because it would ruin things potentially. So unfortunately, this is a byproduct of being a part of a giant franchise like Star Wars with a connecting universe. You got to have faith that they know exactly where they're going. I think a big part of the direction they will take will be based on the events of Episode 9. Either they will work in between that year time gap that was rumored between Episode 8 and 9 or possibly something farther into the future. But I can't really see them doing that because there's so much potential between that year time gap right dave there there is too much potential for that for that time gap because like we have to if they if they do go the route that basically oh they're light years away then it would explain a couple of plot holes and it would actually work because like we gotta remember that last jedi ends with princess leia sending out a message for help right no yes. one answers yes why wouldn't the colossus answer right so that them being off course A few light years would make sense sense. and it would justify why they could not be there during the events of Last Jedi. Yeah, that does make sense. However, once we get there and the events of Last Jedi have passed, which isn't going to take that. That much amount of time. We can move forward into that time frame and pretty much dabble in an area that's never been done before. Yeah. Imagine a fresh new TV show, season two of Resistance, dabbling in a time area that we know absolutely nothing about. So I'm stoked and excited to see what they're doing. And we're going to get into all of this and more, but let's slow this conversation way down and let's talk some Kazuda. Kaz is a new person 
after this week's episode. I'm so proud, Mike. We we saw him mature. Well, we saw his <laughs> penis grow and his balls yes. drop. He well, he attained he's, puberty. He's got pubes now. I'm so proud. It's safe to say that we can expect a very different character moving into season two. I really hope so. I mean, this is a young dude that has been forged in combat, an easy run-of-the-mill mission that turned into something that Poe Dameron didn't even expect, has forever altered Kaz's life. These are the building blocks of his story. What we just witnessed was his true origin story. Kaz's development over the last season has had its ups and downs. Yes, we've openly admitted that the opening half, in our opinion, was very fucking rough. Yes. It felt a bit rudderless at times, and I'm including Kaz's direction into this uh, topic here, into this scenario. We weren't quite sure what direction the show was going, but after winter break, all of that vanished. There was a discernible moment in the episode, I believe titled uh, Bebo, uh, the mid-season premiere, where we said this is the episode where everything changed. Yes. It was during that episode that both of us had said there was an obvious shift in tone and direction. And it all led up to, I believe, which was the game changer for Kaz's life, was seeing the destruction of Hosnian Prime. Yeah. Which is something that me and you were like saying, that ha- that moment has to mean something to Kaz immensely. This has to be his... Like what we alluded to in the last episode, his call to arms. It had right. to be that moment when the, the character basically says, okay, I am not. Okie day. Yeah, I'm not going to okie day this. This is something that utterly changes his character from being this goofball to being someone who says, no, I'm going to take a stand. And yeah. I'm going to do something that matters. Yeah. Agreed. But when you go back, Dave, to that mid-season premiere right the the bebo episode yeah, that bebo episode if you know what to look for it was the moment when the audience could actually feel that the show found its path its tone it, it, do you remember when we came into studio like shit dude this is the show this is the brand right here this is the franchise if they continue with this line of thought the show will be that good dave i'm gonna give ourselves a pat on the back this is how good we are at doing what we do the fact that we said after Bebo, the show has changed. Yes. One episode in to the second half of the season, Dave, and we knew that the show had found itself. And look what happened every episode afterwards. It just got better and better and better. And for that episode on, it's been a solid ride. Kaz development, uh, Kaz's development was taken off of Simmer after Bebo. He lost much of the buffoonery that made it you know, made him kind of a hard hero to root for because of the Neanderthal type antics. But even that changed after episode 11. It's pretty amazing to watch. I mean, retrospectively going back and and now knowing how the show changed at that point, it's, it's, it's fun and intriguing to see how it all came about. And it was so different too, because we, I I think the problem was taking a look at, retrospectively this season yeah. it was 20 episodes 21 episodes 21 episodes and you you have to see when you we, we saw the tone change it was about at the middle of the season yeah so i think that that's probably why it was really difficult for us in the first season because it took so the long. first half you mean the first half yeah it took so long for us to actually see this change but because of the 
amount of time that they had to do, which is 20 episodes, 21, you get, you get a, you get a, uh, like a, a look at basically this is where they had this written out. Yeah. You know, if they did this way too soon, well, what do you do for, with Kaz at this point? Well, I mean, Dave, I don't want to justify shoddiness. I mean, listen, I'm a big fan of the show now, but the first half was it was rough. It was a mess. Yeah. And, and I think I, I don't go back now because you're a fan of everything, Dave, and say, yeah, it wasn't that bad because it, no, no, no. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough, Dave. But uh, it, but I do see what you're saying. Like, we needed that time to possibly introduce these characters and uh, for us to understand the dynamics between them so that when we do come back into the second half, we already know the dynamic between the the cast, the crew of the Colossus, and now we could just move forward with the immediate myth arc. Like the interesting part that I thought of after this was, I wonder if they just could, because we got to remember that all the episodes are technically 20 minutes, right? 20 to 25 minutes. If they went with the original Rebels or uh, uh, Clone Wars outlook where it's more than 20 minutes, if they went to 40 minutes and just condensed it to 10 episodes, 10 to 11 episodes... I think it would have actually translated better. You know what I mean? I I think what hurt the most was the fact they elongated it for too long, the 21 episodes. Yeah, possibly. I mean, well, I see. I don't know, Dave. You're trying to say that the same group of writers can't write 20 episodes, but that's that would be inaccurate. So I'm going to have to disagree with you on that because we already know that this team can do that because they did during Rebels. Yeah. That's so the I, only I, thing that I'm like going, but unfortunately, when you look back at Rebels, they should have been able to do this. It, right. I think if they reworked a few things, Dave, they could have still did what they did with the first half while also having a definitive direction for the show. It, but the first half wasn't written that way. And, and who knows? Maybe if we go back, we'll think differently. I don't know. But I remember us at the verge of not wanting oh, to watch yeah. anymore. It was... It was rough because remember we said even in so the in the episodes by midway point if this doesn't change we were willing to just drop it yeah and I'm glad we didn't because the show ended up being fantastic and I'm really excited to see what the destruction <clears throat> when it comes to Kaz I'm really excited to see what happens next with him oh, with the destruction of his home world. Uh, what is this going to do for his resolve as a character? What's he going to be like after all of this has had a chance to really sink in? And I really hope Justin Ridge and the crew utilize the tragic loss of family and friends as a very intrinsic part of his development next season. You cannot forget about it. And, and again, I have full faith in the writers at this point that they will use those, those elements for next season. Oh, they have to. I mean, these are the perfect building blocks for a very interesting and complex character. I hope they don't hold back and they allow themselves to write the story and, and take the narrative in, into the direction that's the most logical for the character and not let the Disney Channel standards prevent them from creating something potentially heartbreaking, sad, and traumatic for our heroes. Because I think that basically, even though Kaz at this point is our hero and he's decided to become the hero... And yes, in this episode, he, he he was very heroic. He still has that immature thing where he still needs to grow up and grow comfortable with being the hero. And that's fine. 
I mean, that's to be expected, right? We just like Ezra and and Ahsoka, they took time. They took time, to and they get slowly into lost their immaturity or their naivety, and they became a very well-rounded character. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now, when it comes to like the the heartbreaking, sad, and traumatic side of things for our heroes, Dave, I don't think Disney will prevent them from doing something like that. Something a little more dark. I mean, Disney has not prevented other dark turns like in Rebels. And of course, in this episode alone, you witness the destruction of an entire plot. You witness genocide on Disney yes, Channel. You witness genocide. Congratulations, Lucasfilm. You managed to get Disney to show a display of genocide. Well, not only that, dude. I mean, like the way they got rid of the stormtroopers are the clone, uh, the the first order troopers. You mean drowning them? <laughs> That's kind of dark. And everyone's like, well, they can still breathe underwater. Well, they just got eaten by like shark sharks and wildlife. What a great way to die. <laughs> if if this episode, as well as Rebels, is any example, can serve as anything, what am I trying to say, Dave? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I think at this point in the game, the the go-to for some fans, oh, it's Disney. They're not going to let us do real stories. Oh, Disney's only for children. I think Rebels, as well as what we witnessed in Resistance, should be enough evidence to prove those people wrong that yes. Disney isn't here to to kiddify yeah or they're not trying to silence creative thought because it may not fit within their channel it seems like they're letting Star Wars for the most part tell the story they want to tell well that's why one of the biggest points in this episode that showed me that basically Disney is not gonna as you say Disneyfy Star Wars is the scene with Tam when she makes her decision. Disney, if you were to Disneyfy it, you would have had Tam say, no, I'm going to join my friends and be happy. She doesn't do that. It's a, it felt like a real organic, mature choice that she made. If she was put in that, if she, if a real person was put in that role, she feels betrayed by Kaz and Yeager for keeping secrets from her. Yeah. Tam has just been a delight, Dave. I mean, this is, also around the same time, the, the same time that that midseason break we're talking about. This is also when Justin Ridge and the writers had found the legs for the majority of our cast and characters. And the breadcrumbs were laid for Tam's nudge into the arms of the First Order after that first half. I'm really excited to see if this is all, not just an origin story for Kaz, our hero, but Tam as our villain. Yeah, I, I think that's what we're witnessing, Dave. I. I, the duality between Kaz and Tam is so clear and in your face that I have to believe there's only one logical approach for them to go. And Tam will be a full on baddie next season. Maybe not evil, but her ideology will be made manifest once she puts on that first order uniform. And I believe that was their plan from the very beginning. Build a friendship and then create a political rift between the two of them. One chooses her path because of feelings of disloyalty and the other based on what he feels is the right thing. Yeah. But that drive will change drastically now that the Hosnian system has been destroyed, as we were saying. That's why that's, so, that's why like telling a story like this has me really intrigued, because one of the hardest things to make a villain at this point is how do you make a villain like how do we sympathize with Tam at this point, seeing what the First Order has done? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we are witnessing the rise of our resistance hero and the rise of our first order villain. 
I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. The, the thing that's intriguing about this development and this potential direction is that it resembles, Dave, the Anakin Obi-Wan issue. Opposing political ideology, manipulation, and distrust is what really caused that rift to be uh, that rift between master and apprentice to to fully form this in many ways. The scenario between Kaz and Tam is the exact same thing. It, it doesn't need to be so absolute either. I, I don't feel like we need to have this over the top bad guy. I don't expect Tam to come back evil overnight, but it's going to be a slow process and She's going to struggle with her decision. And that's the beautiful thing about being in this new era of Star Wars is that we have the time to really fully develop these characters and not just, hey, I'm good. Okay, hey, I'm bad. Okay, I'm good. I'm bad. Let's see that slow progress. Let's understand fully, not justify bad acts, but let us understand what makes somebody choose the wrong path. Yes, we've seen that with Anakin, but hey, this is a whole other story. It's a whole other uh, set of characters. Why not utilize what works? The very backbone of the Star Wars universe. Hey, if Anakin's downward spiral can hold the can hold the back of the or can be the back of the entire franchise for countless years. Guess what? I think it would work for this story as well. So it's a good call. It's a good call. So this could really be great, Dave. I'm really excited because I think you're right. I think that's exactly what we're witnessing. We're witnessing the origin story of a hero and a villain. All right. Doza, Tam, Yeager, Satnara, our core cast, the majority of their development also occurred after the second half, as I was alluding to. Now, I imagine what they can do next season yeah, I can't imagine knowing that the bulk of the show's narrative and this goes right back to kind of what you were saying, Dave, about having lesser episodes and and the fact that they had 20 episodes. But knowing that the bulk of the show's narrative and the character development really progressed after midseason, just imagine what they can do next season with 20 plus episodes. Yeah. The amount of story progression and character growth is going to be fucking stellar. This writing team obviously has the talent to really churn out some classic Star Wars episodes. So after what we've witnessed with the second half, I'm very excited to see what they can do with the second season. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Yeager, taking a guy that was not pro resistance he wanted a different type of life after the Rebel Empire War, but good and just individuals can very rarely sit idly by while unjust and tyranny persevere. So that was also a good story arc for Yeager. It made a lot of sense. I like how they bookended his decision not to get involved with his decision to go full on involvement. Yeah, it was nice to see that. So moving into the next season, I think we can expect to learn more about Doza, which was my only disappointment, but I understand we can't flush out everybody at the same time, but I am hoping that next season we can learn more about Doza. Now that he's forged an alliance with the resistance group, this has got to be a must for next year, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. Because like now the question becomes is like, yes, Kaz is our hero, but in, in story terms, who is the leader that is going to lead this group ragtag band. It can't be Kaz. It, there has to be an actual honest to God, quote unquote, uh, Mon Mothma type of character 
that leads the city, uh, the, the platform, and that's Doza. Yeah, they'll probably be brought into the fold eventually if that's the direction of the show, which is called Resistance, so they can't veer too far from the concept. Yeah, I think that's the likely choice, that they're going to bring the entire platform into the fold, and why wouldn't Doza at this point become affiliated with the Resistance when he's... I mean, Doza essentially demonstrated an act of war towards the first order by going against their plans yes so at this point he has nowhere he has else nowhere to else look to go yeah and and the the intriguing part about the whole doza element too is like nobody still knows that doza was actually an imperial officer they don't know this i think yeager does i, I believe yeager knows but everyone else is like going they are oblivious to the fact that Doza, who's led them this whole time, used to be an Imperial officer. And that's why I'm so intrigued by his story. And we have to see it because they can really use those pieces of his background to really show some really cool story development for his for his character. And all, because he he there's an understanding there. And they can use his experience of being with the Empire, working for the Empire as the reasons why he chose to fight against the First Order. He's well aware of the atrocities that the predecessor, the Empire, had done in the name of the Empire. Yeah. So, hey, I, I understand that the First Order is dangerous. So there's a lot they could do with that. Livery time, David. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. Get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank every month when you subscribe to our Patreon page. When you subscribe to our podcast here for $5 a month, you gain access to thousands of hours of additional content, including more Star Wars discussions and breakdowns, pre-shows, Star Wars book reviews, comic book discussions, theme content discussions, and character analysis. We do all, all of this for those that are kind enough to subscribe. We do need help. We push out about 40 to 90 podcast episodes a month as a network. And the only way we can sustain is by getting people to subscribe. So head over to patreon.com slash digital and subscribe to our podcast here. Okay, Dave. So speculation for next season. What could they do? That's the question I'm going to pose here. The way the season ended, it feels like they could essentially reboot the series and do whatever they wanted with this show. Technically, it doesn't even need to run parallel to the sequel series any longer. However, I think as long as you have this team together, or I should say, for example, I think as long as you have this team together, Kaz, Giger, Tora, Doza, Niku, it should work with almost any scenario that is thrown at them. But with the destruction of the Hosnian system, I feel like they definitely have to deal with the after with the aftermath of that huge ordeal. I have feelings they will continue to move things in tandem with the sequel trilogy. And, and honestly, that is what interests me the most at this point with the series. I love getting an alternative view of the events surrounding the new trilogy. Yeah. What about you, Dave, in terms of speculation and wants for next season? Wants for next season. I want them to continue on establishing the importance for these original concept characters that they have in Resistance and concept ideas. I mean, you, we just, the Resistance was just given, in my opinion, one of the most devastating ships that we've ever seen. 
And that's saying a lot. But if you think about it, the Colossus is a ship we have never seen before. When it rose out of that water, I'm like going, it can withstand a couple of Star Destroyers, which is unheard of. It withstood a Star Destroyer attack with ease. And that's why I'm like going, okay, this the, the Colossus itself is something really important in Star Wars lore right now. Because you have to ask yourself, what happened to it? You mean to tell me that basically the Resistance doesn't take advantage of having a mobile base that's essentially... Well, maybe we'll see it in episode nine. Yeah. Oh, dude, if they if we saw it in episode nine, I think I'd be giddy because then I'd be like, going, oh, they finally tied everything together. And then on top of that, the one thing I really want is more insight with the First Order, the life of the First Order people, because Tam, uh, Tam's a perfect doorway for us to actually get a gauge of, OK, what's that other side that's been so secretive? Since Force Awakens, we have no idea what their what their MO has always been. We know about the brainwashing program, how they build their uh, their their troops and stuff. But what about people that have sided with the First Order? What what is the mentality of it all? So these are things you want to see. I want to see. Okay, that's why if they do run that parallel, like what you said, is showing the rise of our hero Kaz and the rise of our villain Tam. I'm actually a little bit more interested in the rise of our villain now because don't be that guy, Dave. Well, don't be that guy that just likes the villains and the bad guys all the time. Come no, on. No, no, no. Not, I, I'm not going to be that guy, but I am going to say that Niku is, is the origin story of life. Okay. <laughs> you, the, you're, the, the villain is just as important to a narrative as a bad, as a good guy. As when it hero. comes to these types of stories. Yes. I feel like they is, it, it depends on the dynamic of the two characters, but in this particular situation, I feel like at this point, yes, they're very important to each other's development moving forward. Moving forward, yeah. Yeah, we have to see more of that for sure. All right, Dave, now we do have speculation and some thoughts like we had just gone over, but there is some info out there on what we could actually see opposed to just speculation. There was an interview done with IO9 uh, that actually was released right after the season finale last night with Justin Ridge. Now I'm going to read through some of these questions and read his response because a lot of these questions will help fill in. I should say the questions and answers will help fill in some blanks and give us a a better snapshot of what to expect in season two. All right, so IO9 says, why make it a twist that Niku may not be sending everyone to Dakar, as Kaz had asked? Justin Ridge says, we thought it would be fun to add a little something to the end just to make our heroes a little uncertain as to whether or not they are actually going to get to their goal when we get to the beginning of season two. They were in a crazy, hectic race to get out of there at the very end. Even for someone as smart as Niku, it's difficult to put in the coordinates. So yeah, We just thought it would be a fun beat to say, oh, no, I hope we actually get to where we need to go. Uh, IO9 says, Dakar is obviously where the Force Awakens ends and The Last Jedi begins, so it's pretty pivotal. I know you can't say if they arrive there, but if they do, do you know when specifically they do in relation to the movies? Ridge replies, we totally know, but I don't want to spoil it. That gives me more confidence, Dave. 
because I know at the top of the show I had said that I have a feeling that they're not quite sure what direction they're going to go because, of course, it's an ever-evolving landscape when it comes to this franchise. You have books, comic books, movies to to also make sure your story is planned for. There's going to be other areas that they're going to tell these stories. And you got to make sure there's no conflicts, right? Especially since everything is connected. Yeah. But Ridge says they definitely know where they will end up at the beginning of season two. Dude, it's really cool to see Justin Ridge kind of get like grow as a showrunner. I agree. I, I, I think he, I think he came out on his own this, this year, this like, year. Baloney casts a very big shadow with those sexy little cowboy boots and, and his cowboy hat. <laughs> he casts a big shadow. And I think Ridge, I, I want to say he crawled from that shadow. Yeah. You no, no, no. I don't want to say crawled. I think he strutted. He strutted with his chest out. He strutted out of that shadow. Yeah, this this second half of the season because like yeah. I used to remember when he was in charge of Rebels, we were really critical on his run on Rebels. I wouldn't say oh, we I weren't think over we were critical. We, were, we we weren't over critical, I but think we were just and fair, Dave. Ju- just <laughs> and fair. <laughs> we are just and fair gods. Petty at times, like the Greek <laughs> and Roman gods. gods of old, but just and fair. But it's actually really cool seeing him grow as a showrunner and he, he Justin Ridge is actually getting more I'm getting more and more confidence with Justin Ridge as a showrunner for a lot of Star Wars animation now. I'm a big fan of his I have no problem with him I mean he showed us all and shut all of us up there's a lot dude imagine being Justin Ridge right this is your job and you go to the internet and you see all these people bitching <laughs> and he's all guys l- fucking chill out. I have a plan. I know what the fuck I'm doing. And he proved everyone wrong. I mean, that's got to feel fucking great as a showrunner. Yeah. I mean, he won us over. So how early was it decided that Tam was going to defect to the first order and why her? This is the next question. Justin Ridge replies, early on, we knew for sure that the end of the season was going to overlap with what happens in The Force Awakens and that we needed some sort of internal conflict in Team Fireball with Tam and Kaz. Tam just made sense for us when her background and her family with her background and her family, her grandfather working for an imperial factory back in the day, her viewpoint towards the First Order is different from Kaz and Yeager. So when it comes to the end of season one, when she's given the chance she feels betrayed, Kaz and Yeager didn't talk to her. They weren't truthful with her. All of this accumulates to her choosing to go into the First Order. And it felt so organic. It wasn't forced. That's what I really appreciate about a turn like that, where it doesn't come out of nowhere. When you take a look at her story, it was well thought out. He might have not actually thought about it in the very beginning, but the breadcrumbs were there to allow him to grow to that point, and he let it grow organically. Yeah. io9 asks, will the fallout of losing his family be a ma- major through line for Kaz moving ahead? Ridge says, oh yeah, it's definitely something that Kaz has to deal with. It's such a huge event and really such a devastating thing that happened. We'll definitely see how Kaz handles it. The next and final question, was the plan always to join the movie timeline at the end of the first season? 
Ridge says, yes, early on, we knew the Force Awakens was going to be the big event that ended season one. We knew that not only is it personal for Kaz, but it also helped kind of ground where we are in in the time frame of the galaxy and the connectivity to the movies as well. So everything was planned. Everything was strategized. That's why it's going to be interesting with season two, because so is season two. Are we going to see the ties of Last Jedi and how? Because when you think about Last Jedi, I can't see where it's going to be connected. I mean, Dave, it's it's like a, a blip in the in the grand scheme of Star Wars. Last Jedi picks up immediately after Force Awakens, and many in a lot of ways that timeline is is all one between Force Awakens and, and the Last, Last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. And with the the Colossus potentially ending up light years away from their intended destination, I have a feeling that we're going to miss the events of last Jedi. And I think that's fine because not a lot really transpires between force awakens and last Jedi. So if we miss those events, that's okay. Cause we have that entire year to play in between episode eight and episode nine. If that's what they choose to do. I think the only, my only, I wouldn't even say it's a disappointment, but my only thing that I was like thinking about, I remember in one of our past episodes, we were talking about, where resistance could kick off season two. And we were all thinking, oh, they're going to go to Jakku because everybody wants to go to Jakku because Poe Dameron's stuck on Jakku. How the heck did he get off of that? We don't even know. We don't know. I I was thinking maybe (laughs) Kaz rescued him. I was thinking that the same thing. It was like, okay, in season two, they end up at Jakku and that's when they run into Poe again. Well, Poe is a hell of a pilot. (laughs) That's how he got off the Jakku. He, he's such a pilot, such a great pilot. He doesn't even need a ship to fly. He just okay? flies himself. <laughs> he just flies himself. <laughs> he uses his, he uses the fly stick between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, we need to move into final thoughts. Uh, go, you start, go now, start my final thoughts on the season finale. I'm really happy with the season finale. That dog fight. We didn't even touch on that. The dog fight in the very end was what exactly needed to happen. the, I did talk about that, Dave. Were you not paying attention? No, no, no. I, I said I said the intercuts, the classic Star Wars scene, one action scene after the next. But the details in, the, in it, we didn't even talk about the fact that they lost Von Reg. I don't give a fuck. I don't <laughs> recap. We don't recap here. Exactly. We discuss. But like the destru- the death of Von Reg though mattered because it was Kaz. It had to be Kaz that had to do yep. it. Yep. It. I'd be really disappointed if it was another pilot. But the way Kaz pulls it off shows that he is maturing into what we thought he would be in the very beginning, which you is... You don't want Hype being pilot. the one? You don't want Hype being the one to oh kill God. Von Reg? God. Oh, Ooh, yeah, look at that. Up Von Reg. Look at me. I'm the best pilot of all time. <laughs> so, honestly, I was really happy with the season finale. I love the dog fight. That's, as I said. Yeah, and I like the question in the very end is, where do they go from here? Yeah. So grade Dave for the entire season grade for the entire season taking it. Now this is taking into account the first 10 episodes, right? You have to, I would, I would have to give this a solid B. I'll give it a B because like at the, at the midway point, it picked up really quickly. Like you had a lot of development happen from episode 11 to right here at 21. And it was very seamless. So yeah, I would I would give it a solid B for a starter. It did what it needed to do, which was make me want to see season two. Yeah. 
All right, Dave, I'm going to give the season a B plus. And the reason why is because, yes, the opening half of the season was a bit bumpy, a lot of jarring moments. For me, it didn't feel like they understood exactly the direction they wanted to take the show, in my opinion. The second half. It was like night and day, completely different. And if we didn't have such a bumpy start, this season would have I would have given this season an A. Because what we got during the second half was gold. It was everything that this show needed to be. So I was very, very happy. The only nitpick I would have would be the Von Reg bit. I'm happy with how they ended it for him. It ended the only way that would make sense. You bookended your first season. You had that shootout between Von Reg and Kaz in episode one. Yep. And then you had the conclusion of that battle or that confrontation in the season finale. So the death made sense. It needed to happen that way. But it would have been better if we did get more Von Reg throughout the season. So he would have been more of a a threat yes. to the audience. To us, we're like, eh, we only seen him like two or three times. Not a big deal. But if he was set up as, as this big time threat, it would have added to the overall suspense when Yeager was locked down and couldn't escape the sights of Von Reg. Yes. It would have been sweeter when Kaz defeated him. So B plus, I had a great time during the first season. I am enthusiastically excited for what could come in season two. And it's going to be a long wait. We have to wait till fall, right? Yeah, it's fall 2019. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Justin Ridge definitely put together and pulled it up and and ended up putting together a, a fantastic piece of of Star Wars. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Maybe he'll get his own cowboy hat. Maybe. Maybe we'll sexually harass him like we do uh, Dave Filoni <laughs> starting next year. Starting. Justin Rich can look forward to that. Hey, keep being really good at what you do because we're talent sexuals on this network. We love talent. Keep getting better and better. And you, too, may be objectified very soon by, by the us. hosts of the Back to Tank. That's something to look forward to, right? Yeah, don't worry. We're gentle. We're, gentle we're very gentle. It. We're gentle. We're careful. We, we mostly use our tongues. <laughs> Jesus. All right. We need to end this fast. <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody for listening and hanging out with us for the entire run of the season. I'm hoping most of our listeners also gave this show a chance coming back from mid season break. It's been a fantastic ride. If you just listen to these discussions and you don't actually watch the show, I know there's very, there's quite a bit of listeners like that, that we have definitely check out the show. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Oh, yes. Yeah.